0: <laughs> Current. Current. Current Current Weekly on Dublin Digital Radio Rock School
1: opened nine years ago national controversy when a shortage of school places left scores of immigrant children with nowhere to go. Every year thousands of international students choose Ireland as the location in which to
0: further their education. Having children and moving on in life uh, and trying to decide where we would send them and, you know, not
1: being from the majority background but also, you know, not being religious really at all. 90% of primary schools in Ireland remain old and under the patronage of the Catholic Church. Once here, international students experience a learning environment that is distinctly supportive.
2: Firstly, I want to thank uh, the school body, the authorities that are really trying try to integrate everybody. Education
1: is the place where we should be bringing kids
0: together. The world seems to me if we're to make a difference, you know, if you're to make a difference, to a society, is no better place and in the early years of a child's life that famous Irish hospitality makes you feel right at home. This week, Current Weekly speaks to the Migrant Teacher Project who aim to increase participation of immigrant internationally educated teachers. We speak to Dr. Emer Nolan who is Research Project Officer with the Migrant Teacher Project. She is a qualified second-level teacher and has completed PhD research on the experiences of students from the Chinese, Vietnamese and Filipino communities in post-primary education in Ireland. Hi Emer, welcome to Current Weekly. Hi Lizzie. Um, I was wondering if you could start by telling us about when the Migrant Teacher Project started and what's its goal?
1: Okay so uh, officially we launched last November so November 2017 um, but I suppose it's been an idea in a few people's heads for a lot longer than that. So Dr Rory McDade in Marino Institute of Education who I work with um, would have been researching with children from migrant backgrounds for many years as have I and as have a few other people and I suppose the whole issue of teacher diversity has been very apparent for a long time. Um, I suppose the population in Ireland has changed gradually, uh, you know, in terms of its ethnic makeup over the years, so that if you look at the last census, there are around 18-19% kind of, of the school-going population who kind of select their ethnicity as something other than white Irish. Whereas the teaching population, both in primary schools and second level schools, is still very much white Irish. Um, so I suppose noticing that and knowing the impact that that has on minority ethnic children in classrooms, a few of us have been thinking about, you know, what we can do about that for for a long time. So last year, Rory managed to um, secure some funding from the Department of Justice and Equality to set up this project, the Migrant Teacher Project. And it's specifically aimed at increasing the participation of teachers from minority ethnic backgrounds in schools. Um, and really who we're talking about there is Immigrant Internationally Educated Teachers. So this funding is specifically aimed at finding people who are here, they're living in Ireland, they're teachers, they were qualified you know, in another place, sometimes in the country you know, of origin or sometimes somewhere else. Um, but for whatever reason, they're not teaching at the moment. So what we're doing at the moment is we're trying to find those people. Um, we're doing some research to find out if they want to be teaching, if they're not teaching, why they're not teaching. We're also talking to employers about the whole question of having teachers in the classroom who are from minority ethnic backgrounds. Um, And next year we'll be offering then a bridging programme and that'll help teachers who are here, who at the moment can't get into schools for whatever reason to enter employment. Um, And in that way, we hope to increase the ethnic diversity of, you know, teachers, staff rooms, basically all around the country. That sounds great. So really, the Migrant Teacher Project
0: at this point is in a real survey phase and trying to get a pool of people who would describe themselves and fit into the category of internationally
1: qualified teaching staff. It is, although what we've actually found very quickly. Well, first of all, we've been fairly staggered, really, by the numbers of people who've contacted us. So since we launched in November um. I've been I have about 380 names already on my list of you know people who are you know in in whatever form immigrant internationally educated teachers so either they've been here maybe for 10 years and it never occurred to them to try teaching here or they've just arrived and they've come with the intention of trying to get a teaching job a huge range of people within that I mean there isn't really any although we're the migrant teacher project it's important to say that there's no one thing called a migrant teacher you know it's a very very diverse group of people and um, so we've been just staggered by the numbers really and straight away we found ourselves you know helping people asking a- answering people's questions helping them understand maybe the teacher Teaching council registration process, telling them about you know where to look for jobs. Um, I mean, finding employment is always quite a local. Um, you need quite a lot of local knowledge. You You're need to know... tapping into networks and different groups. Exactly. And you need to know who knows who and how things work. Um, so, you know, straight away, we can help with those questions. And that's what we have found ourselves doing a lot of the time. Um, you know, I suppose a project plan is always very specifically organised in terms of we'll do a survey, we'll do some focus groups, we'll produce the results, we'll run our bridging programme. But actually what's happened is we've found ourselves alongside that, um, just talking to teachers, working with them, helping them find their way through complicated forms um you know helping them to understand the different types of schools in Ireland uh, you know just that kind of general no- local knowledge and also I suppose hooking them up with each other so that you know people who have made it through the processes can then help others who are on the way who might have similar qualifications or, or face similar challenges that's great so really the if you could describe the core work of the group as being that
0: assistance and that network but also the bridging program could you talk to me a bit more about what that will entail when that phase of the project kind of begins
1: yeah and I suppose this comes from the idea that there might be and we don't know for sure that there are but there might be gaps between what somebody needs to teach in a school here and the kind of skills and knowledge that a migrant teacher, an immigrant teacher has when they arrive. So whether it's local knowledge, whether it's something to do with the English language, whether it's, um, you know, a particular approach to pedagogy that might be different in Ireland to, to a different country. Um, the idea is that if there are those gaps, that this bridging programme will address those gaps and will really equip people to be ready for employment. Um, so, you know, before that then is the needs analysis. Then this is the research where we're looking at, you know, are there gaps? Do teachers arrive here and feel they have a lack of knowledge or a lack of confidence in an area? Um, and also talking to employers to see, you know, school principals, do they think that there might be some gap in knowledge or gap in skills that migrant teachers might have? Um, and it's interesting because what we're finding is because it's such a diverse group, every single case is different. I mean, we've certainly met people who are, overqualified you know who have um you know obviously teaching qualifications masters phds 20 years experience they've worked as principals they're you know detailed subject specialists you know we've, we've lots of very well qualified people who will come and say for example you know i just don't have the confidence or um I, doing an interview in English scares me. You know, I'm a science teacher. I'm perfectly confident to walk into a classroom and teach my subject, but I'm just not sure about going and meeting a principal and sitting across from a principal. I don't know what kinds of questions they're going to ask. So that might be a gap. So so we're still finding out what the gaps are. Um, when we've looked at programs like this that have operated in other countries, because there are many, you know, similar projects up and running in other countries, they, they have told us that that kind of general support that local knowledge um even peer-to-peer support where you know it's quite personal this idea that you arrive very often you have a good bit of experience you're well qualified but you find yourself at the bottom of the ladder for lots of reasons because um you know you're just not familiar with the networks it's like by
0: moving somewhere else you're kind of status and how you perceive yourself in your in your qualification within your field it's just completely kind of shaken and changes absolutely
1: and then and then you enter the for example the the registration process with the teaching council and straight away you know the whole formality of that and the fact that you're filling in forms and being asked questions about your qualifications and and oh really and how many hours did you do of curriculum development and it can feel very um, undermining, you yeah. know. It can really put you in a difficult place, and um, you might feel like you're kind of having to defend your qualifications in a way that you never had to before. So, so actually, in the bridging program, we f- we think at this stage an important element of it will just be that support. Just you know, you know, uh, I suppose people supporting each other, um, encouraging each other. Um, the other thing we would hope to do is present picture, you know, examples of people who have made it through the system so we have a steering group on the project and we've included deliberately in that steering group two teachers who are immigrant teachers themselves who have made it into classrooms who are you know, now teaching and um, they've been through the teaching council registration process um, in the case of our primary school teacher she's learnt the Irish because of course one of mm-hmm. the barriers straight away and, and probably the one that everyone's most aware of although it's only one um, is the fact that to teach in a primary school in ireland you have to you have to have a very high level of the irish language so if you're coming in to ireland uh, as a beginner that can be quite a daunting task but you know i've come across teachers from spanish backgrounds croatian backgrounds american backgrounds who have learned the irish you know yeah. it can be done very particularly often.
0: if they're like polylingual and already have, have learned other languages they just treat it the same way whereas we have loaded the Irish language with lots of other
1: kind of cultural
0: significance. That's right. Just being a language in a way of communicating. That's right.
1: Yeah. So, you know, through the Bridging Programme as well, we can share those stories and you just reassure people that it's worth it. It's possible and the benefits are huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's really where this is coming from. I mean, the benefits of having you know diversity in your staff room are enormous not just in terms of ethnicity but also you know in terms of gender you know primary schools are becoming uh, very very uh, female dominated in mm. terms of the teaching staff in terms of sexuality you know in every sense uh, a, a diverse staff room is a makes for a very welcoming school a very inclusive school um so and again you know through the the broader project we would hope to raise awareness of that uh, amongst people and and the main way really to do that is to to Diversify the teaching profession so that you know having teachers from different backgrounds in a school becomes just a normal thing and not an exceptional thing. Students from different backgrounds now,
0: yeah, yeah, nearly one fifth, as you were saying, the the census of the school going population would suggest, yeah. Um, cool, that was really interesting. I would also be keen to hear how you mentioned that you've gotten funding from the Department of Justice, but how have other Bodies that you've interacted with, how they responded, like the Department of Education or the teaching the teaching transfer. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I suppose that the the funding uh, was originally obtained through the um, as as part of the migrant integration strategy. So it was funding that was made available specifically for the promotion of migrant integration, because of course you know the benefits of a diverse teaching work- workforce in terms of integration are huge. Um, so the funding basically. Um, I suppose it supports very specifically a needs analysis in order to develop a bridging program. Uh, It's a two year piece of funding and it's basically a little bit of my time and a little bit of my colleague Rory's time. Um, So it's quite restrictive. Um, But saying that, you know, we're doing a lot with it and uh, there are huge knock on effects of each of those activities. Um, So in the meantime, then we engaged fairly early on with the teaching council because Uh, What we were hearing from teachers and from everyone, actually, not just immigrant teachers, but from from all over was, oh, it's so difficult to register as a teacher Mm. if you've qualified elsewhere. And I suppose I have personal experience of that, too, because I did my own teaching qualification abroad and when I returned to Ireland in 2005, it had been 15 years or so since I had obtained my qualification so I went through the registration process and I know it can be frustrating um, because they're looking for documentation that's old and your university doesn't get back to you and you know and I'm an Irish person. It's a
0: time-consuming process as well. Very so time-consuming yeah.
1: and of course if you're you know your qualification is in language other than English you're going to have to get all those documents translated so you know it, it can seem like quite a mountain to climb Um, But I'm visualizing the stack of paper. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But what what really we're finding is the whole discourse around how difficult it is, is far bigger than the actual level of difficulty. Mm. So we've come across so many people who have said, oh, the teaching council, it's so hard. And then when you ask them, they haven't actually applied. Yeah. You know, everyone's going on what everyone else says. It's more of a
0: perception than actual. Very much so.
1: Yeah. So we engage with the teaching council straight away to, you know, find out what they know um, and to talk to them about the process uh, to get more information, you know, so that we can pass that information on to people. And they've been incredibly helpful. I mean, we organized a seminar there in uh, March, I think it was, um, April, I think, but um, just because so many teachers had said we're having difficulty, we said, "Well, look, let's see if we can match this up." So the Teaching Council very kindly offered to hold a seminar for, specifically for people with overseas qualifications, so that they could answer some of their questions. And we kind of booked a room, and it became very clear on the morning uh, when it was happening that we were going to need a much bigger room. Oh, so yeah. we had a really positive session where we had around a hundred um, immigrant, internationally educated teachers in a room with two senior officials from the Teaching Council who, you know, it was there was a little bit of myth busting. I was like, yeah. no, you, you know, you don't need to do this. This is what you need to do. Um, and so, you know, that was really important to us to engage with the teaching council. And they have been very positive. There are, of course, still, you know, difficulties with the process. It is a standards based process and um, that's always going to be hard. It is in every country. But, but we're learning, you know, how to help people through that. And as I say, the teaching council have been very helpful in working with us on that. Um, we i suppose we we would like to do a lot more than than we have funding for at the moment so um we're looking for funding for example for an information officer because that was an area of work that we didn't really anticipate just that level of ongoing queries. you know answering queries yeah. giving people information pointing people towards information not just in terms of teaching council registration but you know say you're faced with uh the prospect of learning irish you know mm. reaching a high standard in irish well you know where do you start where do you go to to you know to develop your language skills first of all which are the good courses you know how can you make progress quickly where can you go to practice and um, all those things. bits of information yeah. as well and um, so yeah we, we'd love to have just a, a little bit more in terms of those resources to to broaden out the project and really take maximum benefit.
0: Great thanks so much for your time Emer and um, it sounds like you're doing really exciting work and if people are interested in this or have maybe people they know who might fall into the category of an immigrant internationally educated
1: teacher where would you steer them to well we're easy to find on twitter we're mtp teacher um, or you can if you google migrant teacher project you'll come to our website um, on the the mie.ie website so it's www.mie.ie forward slash mtp um, and we're easy to find so and we'd, we'd love to hear from as many people as possible fantastic thanks Emer. okay thanks Lizzie.
0: Current Weekly on Dublin Digital Radio. Current Weekly discusses different student experiences with Chiamaka Enyi Amadi, or Chichi to friends. Chichi recently graduated from University College Dublin with a degree in English and Philosophy. She's been educated in Nigeria and Ireland. Hi Chi Chi, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you yourself? I'm good, good. Thanks so much for joining Current Weekly. Um, I wanted to start off by asking about your experiences of moving to Ireland from Nigeria and what level were you at in terms of schooling at that point?
2: So at that point it was around 2008 and I was just turning around 10 and a half and i'd actually just finished primary school so i was ready for secondary school at that point which is something that when we came here was like a shock to everyone like the places that my mom applied for for school and for us they always said oh she needs an extra two three years in school before we can let her into you know secondary school so I, that was a shock for me like that was an initial shock that i would have to spend you know a few more years in primary school before moving on to secondary school and really I suppose the thing that kind of bothered me about that was the fact that it was kind of presumed that I didn't have, like, the standard, um, sort of like a...
0: It wasn't like you gonna kind of came in for, like, a day and maybe did a couple of tasks exactly, place, Yeah.
2: Yeah. what level you were. They really finish. were very sceptical about, you know, what level I was at, mm. like, intellectually and, and, and all of that, yeah, which, which is funny because, like, when I did start, school um, in Galway that was where we first moved to um, I was so bored in the classroom yeah <laughs> <laughs> like I was we were looking at things I had seen you know three four years before you know so it was very much like I I kind of encountered a much more uh, simpler and basic structure of education here initially yeah
0: right that's really interesting is there like one kind of anecdote or one illustration that you have from when you started school in Galway that made you feel like oh I feel like I've stepped back in terms oh, of what God. I'm learning
2: <laughs> yes um, I remember for me it was particularly to do with with English so because I've I've always been an avid writer I've just I've read since I could read mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah literally. so I uh, when we came here I just that's all I wanted to do um and I would kind of like I would go through my my workbooks in the space of an hour. Like my homework, I would do in class during break time. Like I was that nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, it's like just answer your question. I think what shocked me the most was the fact that like I don't know, like the, the children didn't really seem as interested as as I did in in learning and in, in education. Like I very much would have loved like a say a longer school day or more homework you know those kind of like really yeah. nerdy things yeah, I'm yeah.
0: <laughs> don't worry I <I'm> won't like, <laughs> call you out for being a nerd
2: <laughs> yeah cool so another
0: thing I wanted to ask is just in your experience were there different contrasts that you could pick out between the classroom in Nigeria and the mm-hmm. classroom in Galway and talk maybe about even when you moved from Galway to Bray was it yeah so yeah just kind of how did the classroom environment feel differently from the way things were laid out to maybe how people interacted with teachers?
2: The classroom structure, when first moved here, I found to be very sort of um, more interpersonal. There was a, there was a, a much more... Um, much greater emphasis on the students being able to communicate with their teachers and tell them if something was wrong with like just like more focus on well-being and kind of like making sure that the kids were happy and making sure that they were sort of like not being put under too much pressure which was something I'd never experienced like I went to uh, at Air Force primary school in Nigeria so that was like military base so you were being pushed hard from it was like, like authority yeah and, like recipient of knowledge oh, which, Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like I, w- I would be in the classroom at seven AM for maths and I would be leaving at you know I think four, four PM. So that's like a whole like work day in a classroom for a six, seven, eight year ten year old, you know. Yeah. So coming from that to going to school and we had like such long breaks and there's loads of leisure time and, and the teachers just really were interested in making sure that the kids were happy and that they weren't stressed, yeah.
0: That's a really nice difference to highlight because I think now people are talking a lot about the well-being of everyone in society, but there's also an increased focus on children. So mm. it's nice that you're like, there is some of that present in the classroom when oh, yes. you're experienced. So it just maybe needs to be developed or all schools need to kind of...
2: Yeah, integrate that integrate into it. That. yeah.
0: Great, yeah. Um, something that I thought would be an interesting question is... In terms of the focus and the curriculum, Mm. did you feel like there was more of a focus on certain subjects here than there was at home? And how did that like manifest itself? Like people will always talk about maybe the focus that we have on languages or um, music to say the detriment of the sciences. Is that something that you felt as a contrast when you moved here?
2: That's a very interesting question because yeah, it's something that I've always uh, pondered on. Yeah in nigeria in going to school in in lagos and uh, nigeria which is where i'm from um where, where i grew up the STEM subjects are like if you're not good at stamp not good at your math not good at your uh technical graphics not good at your um your sciences then you're basically looked at as a dunce, and you're you know the teachers the teachers will come down heavy upon you and the corporal punishment is like a real issue
0: Mm. so
2: it's like if a child is good at art or good at music or good at even just like um agriculture it's not you're not seen as to have the same sort of like intellectual capabilities as a child who is good at maths and good at sciences and so like what you have is a lot of parents like pushing their children towards careers in like in medicine and in engineering, just because that's what's viewed as valuable in society, and so like much greater emphasis on that in in societies, and I think in Africa in general, like you have to know typical African mother like you have to be a doctor, have to be a doctor, yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah. Thing. yeah, that's yeah. And then when I came here, what I noticed was that because I fell in love with Irish, because it was the way it was presented there was no pressure around it it was like you can do it or you don't have to do it so I'd either do Irish or take uh, extra English classes which is just would be just me reading books which I would also have loved yeah but I just I'd never really got to learn a language in the same way that I was taught Irish here like because I had done French since I was in primary one or first class equivalent here but it was it was just really hard going yeah of course. But it was Irish is so fun to learn here that's yeah. great. And can you talk to me a
0: bit about like, did you ever go to the Gale Talk or did you do any like fun events in school? Because I remember in my school, we had like shocked in the Gale, Gale and we put loads of effort into art and music and presentations and the whole school would be decorated for it. And it was a lovely thing. It was obviously confined to a week, but it was it was a great kind of emphasis on Irish language. Did you ever do some things like that in your school?
2: Several times, yeah. Yeah, I have lovely memories of, of, you know, just composing little songs in Irish for Talk to Gállága, But I never actually got to go to the Go Talk and I'm I'm dying to go now. That's where
0: everyone gets their first kiss as all <laughs> listeners to this podcast know who have been I to the didn't that. I did know that. Oh yeah, but, it, but it's really awkward. Like it's not a good kiss. It's Yeah, I imagine it be awkward. Yeah. <laughs> um so that's interesting. And as you said it was presented to you as very much a choice. Yes. If you want to, if you want to learn this you can. If you don't, you don't have to. Mm. Do you think that people view Irish as like a, a barrier or something that stops people maybe from integrating into the Irish school system? What are your views on, you know, people who might have relatives who moved to Ireland and if they're wondering whether to in in that choice that you were faced, how do you feel learning Irish has benefited you?
2: Okay. So did learning Irish help me integrate better into Irish yeah, yeah. society? Hmm, that's an interesting one. I don't think it helped me in a straightforward way because just Irish isn't something that's really spoken. daily yeah. too, yeah. yeah. It, really, it, is, it isn't integrated into daily life for most people. There are people who go to like a, a girl's schools and so they would speak Irish at home as well. Um, but I think it helped me just in in just the way that I came to appreciate Irish culture and Irish history a lot more and so that kind of helped me with my sort of like more emotional connection with with the place yeah because it yeah it's, it's a more a question of place for me and and yeah helping me feel less displaced as essentially yeah yeah that's really cool That's really interesting
0: um I wanted to ask you about also maybe siblings or friends of yours who were In school with you in Lagos, Hmm. and maybe now, can you compare any interesting points in their kind of educational journey and yours? Like, how do you think if you had stayed in Nigeria, gleaming from their experience? what what things might be different
2: what things might be different well first of all i would have been i would have graduated college or like four years ago yeah okay <laughs> so it's just that yeah you kind of you're pushed back just age-wise just so, time-wise
0: so, so to like
2: help me understand
0: the structure primary yes. school ends when you're like
2: you're around you'll be around 10 or 11 depending on you're just like if you're held back or not mm-hmm. or if you're pushed uh forward or not because you can skip it's like an american school system you can skip grades or you can be held back okay yeah it's sort of like that but on average yeah my, my sister graduated at primary school when she was 10 mm. yeah so um and then, then secondary school is from what so age you're, you're finishing around 15 16 second, secondary wow. school yeah
0: and then obviously university for some people and then like there's like technical colleges and things like yeah, that definitely. it's very young i think to, it is right yeah, young, well, yeah. In comparison to the irish yeah so
2: there is this uh, obviously pros and cons to that you know you'd, uh, you'd ask our children at 15 ready for college you know mm. so but some people would say yeah because you need more time to find a job after college so you want to give them that like five-year space between 20 and 25 to To do so, because I'm I'm twenty now and I'm a graduate. That I think that is because, like, despite being held back uh, when I came here, because I was too young to go into secondary school, I still sort of like had like that bit of like a push forward. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Exactly. It kind of you were able to finish your degree and kind of uh, and kind of move forward in that regard. Um. Yeah. So they're just kind of general comparisons, but do you think now? going forward the Irish education system is going to become maybe more outward looking or I know that there's now focus on having more variety in the languages that are taught in the curriculum. Do you think it'll be a very different experience for someone who maybe moves to Ireland in 2018 as to the experience that you had when you moved?
2: I think language is very important mm. in all societies and I wish that I could speak my language more more fluently um, so I think if someone's coming here as a migrant and they have the opportunity to be in the education system uh, just firstly and then to learn Irish that it should be looked at as like as a as an asset to have even though some people may argue that Irish is a dying language but, you know, the more people learn it and speak, then the more people do we have to keep it alive. And having people who are not from here speak the language of, of the land, is it's a beautiful thing to see, you know. It really just like, speak for a, a diverse uh, society and, a, like, a, like a just, yeah, a multicultural society.
0: Yeah, exactly. And one that fits into mm. Irish identity and exactly. adds to it and is another layer great uh, I also wanted to ask you a little bit about your spoken word poetry uh, is that something that you felt you had good exposure to in school like poetry and how it was taught or did you kind of feel like it was a very rote learning system
2: um in secondary school I, I thought there was a really good uh, emphasis on learning poetry obviously for the leaving it's not really for any other sort of like a
0: cultural appreciation, cultural appreciation
2: yeah. agenda yeah I was just uh, just get A's in your leaving sort like you know like learn learn your frost learn your once <laughs> learn your heaney yeah yeah so that wasn't great i think as just someone who loved poetry already and someone who'd been writing it and then I, also my sister as well uh, she did her leaving sort while i was doing my junior sort. so we would sort of like share we would you know, recite verses to each other. It was it was actually very very quite sick to see sometimes <laughs> how into it we were. Like you That's would be crazy. disgusted. Yeah, <laughs> we'd go on walks in um because in Glendalough because we live in Bray and just like recite you know, uh, Frost and recite like a Bishop to ourselves. Yeah, just you like just in just our own little world. So cultured. <laughs> you should do like guided
0: poetry walks through Glasgow. That's Lack. a great
2: idea. We should really should. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I already had that in my life. I already had that in just in, in a in a personal space. And actually, going into school uh, with that love of poetry, I felt uh, that actually it wasn't it wasn't really uh maybe like looked at as a as a positive. By uh, the administrators and by sort of like the teachers and yeah. So, for example, like the uh, our library space had barely any poetry books in it. Like I had to go in and sort of like revamp it and do a little bit of, like librarian work. Yeah, yeah. And, and give it a bit of enthusiasm. Yeah, and give it support. a bit of enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. So I do think that the even sort, sort of. but it might stifle like if a young person had a love of poetry and a love of art it might stifle that a little bit because it kind of drives them towards a more technical route at looking at these these cultural and these very beautiful artistic things yeah that's a really great point
0: um so that's at the end of our discussion about some of your experiences and the maybe differences and similarities in the educational experience moving to Ireland so thanks so much for your time Chi Chi
2: Thank you for having me, it was a pleasure
0: This summer Chi Chi will be collaborating with Boundless and Bear Spoken Word Poetry Collective and you can check out more details about them on their website boundlessandbare.ie Thanks for listening to Current Remember you can tweet us at at ddr, or email us at current at dublindigitalradio.com Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on the Dublin Digital Radio SoundCloud.